Not only can God reveal himself to us, but he has actually done so. He has made himself known to us, and that revelation reached its culmination and perfection in Jesus Christ, the Son of God made man. Hello, and welcome to our podcast for College Catholics, where we discuss faith and spirituality from a Catholic perspective. I am your host, Father Patrick Wainwright. In today's episode, we will discuss how God has revealed himself to man. First of all, at the beginning of time, to the first man and the first woman, Adam and Eve. But after the fall, he also revealed himself to Abraham and to all his descendants. Then gradually, little by little, through the prophets and the judges and the patriarchs, he continued to manifest himself throughout the centuries. And this revelation reached its culmination in Jesus Christ. He is the one perfect revealer of the Father. After him, there is no other revelation. So God created the entire world out of nothing. All the physical and spiritual realities, everything that is, God has created. There is nothing that exists that has not been created by God. And this is clearly stated by St. John in his gospel when he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things came to be through him, and without him nothing came to be. And this is from the first chapter of the gospel of St. John, verses 1 through 3. So, to put it simple, everything that exists can be divided like in two types of things or two types of beings. On the one hand, God, the infinite, the necessary being that has not been created, that has been forever since all eternity and will continue to be for all eternity. And on the other hand, everything else, the created world that has become, that has started to be at one particular moment when God willed it so. In creating the world, God has actually manifested himself. He leaves as though it were his fingerprints in the world all around us. Here's an example for, to, for you to understand this. You may have noticed how there are certain authors whom you can identify by their style, whether of their music or their kind of painting, because, of a, particular, because a particular artist tends to produce his art with specific details or patterns that he repeats in different works of art. Those patterns not only indicate that there is a common author, but they actually manifest something of the personality of that author. That is because every effect, in this case the work of art, participates in some way in the qualities of the cause, that is, in this case, the artist. So every effect out in the world participates in some way in the qualities of the cause. For example, if you see, if you hear barking, then you can tell that a dog, there is a dog around because there's barking. If you hear meowing, then you would hear, you would think that there is a cat around because only cats meow and dogs bark. And this indicates that there is a relationship with, between the effects that we see 
and the cause that sometimes we cannot see. So the same thing happens to God. In just the same way, God is like an artist, and the entire creation is his work of art. We can therefore identify some qualities of God in his creation, because God, when he creates, he creates in a particular way, and that creation shares in something of the being of God. Some qualities of the creation manifest the qualities of God. So we can also say that the created world is a first revelation of God in some say, sense. It's like a natural way of revealing himself. However, apart from the creation, God has also chosen to reveal himself positively and directly to man. He revealed himself, first of all, to our first parents, Adam and Eve. He invited them to a intimate relationship of communion and friendship with him. They were not simply beings that he created and he left on their own. No, he created them and became their friends, their God, their father, if you want. He manifested himself to them. He conversed with them. And he actually gave them many graces and gifts. And we read this in the book of Genesis, chapters 1 and 2. Now, after the fall or the original sin... He also revealed himself to Noah, saving him and others from the deluge and making a lasting covenant with him. After Noah and all his descendants, God revealed himself to Abraham and called him out of his country to be the father of many nations. With him too, God formed a covenant. And that covenant could be summarized in the fact that Abraham and his descendants would be God's people, and he would be their God. And this you can read in chapter 17 of the book of Genesis. Now, the revelation of God continued to develop itself. From the descendants of Abraham, God, God formed a people, the people of God, the people of Israel. And again, he manifested himself through the patriarchs, the judges, and then the prophets, not only giving them the law, the Decalogue, through Moses on Mount Sinai, but also promising a future Messiah. This Messiah, this Savior, Messiah, Savior, would not only save the world from sin, but also take that revelation of God to its fullness and its fulfillment, its completion, its termination, we could say. So, it is then that at the fullness of time, God sent his son, born of a woman. The word of God, the second person of the Holy Trinity, God sent into this world. And he took a human nature from the womb of the Virgin Mary. And then he was God made visible, the visible image of God, so that we could see him and listen to him, and even touch him and know who he was. He revealed the whole truth of what we needed to know in order to obtain salvation. That was one of the main reasons why the Son of God came into this world, to reveal the complete way of salvation. Now, he did not reveal absolutely everything there is to know about God. He revealed everything that God wanted to reveal about himself 
and that we need it for our salvation. So there's much more about God that we do not know. Actually, for example, in the gospel, it is very clear that when they ask the Lord, the Jesus, when the end of the world would be, he said, that is not to me, given to me to reveal. So the Son of Man doesn't know, know that. And there will be many who come and say, he is here and he is there. Don't, don't believe them, he said. So that is one thing, very specific thing, that God could have revealed, but he did not want to reveal. And there's many other things that God could have revealed to us, and he, he did not want to reveal them to us. He only wanted to reveal those things that are necessary for our salvation. That means that after Jesus Christ and his revelation and the coming of the Holy Spirit in Pentecost, we should not expect any further public revelation. Therefore, there's only one Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ, and there is only one revealer, Jesus Christ. Or if you want, there's only one channel for the public revelation of God to man. So there is no other channel through which God has revealed himself fully and completely to the world other than Jesus Christ. All the revelations of the Old Testament were a preparation for the revelation of Jesus Christ. And any other person or revelation that claims to supersede or complete or worse, replace the revelation of Jesus Christ is false. This was taught clearly by the church through the document Dominus Jesus, presented by Cardinal Ratzinger years ago. And in that document, number five, we read, As a remedy for this relativistic mentality of today's world, which is becoming ever more common, it is necessary above all to reassert the definitive and complete character of the revelation of Jesus Christ. In fact, it must be firmly believed that in the mystery of Jesus Christ, the incarnate Son of God, who is the way, the truth, and the life, the full revelation of divine truth is given. Quote, No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son wishes to reveal him. Unquote from Matthew eleven twenty seven. And another quote, No one has ever seen God. God, the only Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, has revealed him. Unquote from John chapter 1, verse 18. Up to there, the text of Dominus Jesus by Cardinal Ratzinger, number 5. So all the content of the revelation of God has been handed on by Jesus Christ to the apostles, and the Holy Spirit confirmed and sealed that revelation. All that is included in that revelation is what we call the deposit of faith. And this is a very important concept. Jesus Christ passed on the deposit of faith to the apostles, and the apostles in turn, in turn, pass it on to their successors, and they, they pass it on to their successors. And the Holy Spirit is the one that accompanies the Catholic Church and gives its assistance so that the Church will faithfully keep and preserve that deposit of faith, transmitting it faithfully throughout the centuries. So this is a very important promise 
that Jesus Christ gave to the church and that we ought to believe that he gave to the church when he said, quote, Behold, I am with you always until the end of the age, unquote, from Matthew 28, 20. And he also added, He who hears you, hears me, and he who rejects you, rejects me, and he who rejects me, rejects him who sent me. These are the words of Jesus Christ to the apostles in the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 10, verse 16. So we believe that the Catholic Church will always be faithful to that deposit of faith transmitted by Jesus Christ to his apostles and transmitted by them to their successors and so on successively. And up to now, that has held true. Up to now, all the truths taught by Jesus Christ are still kept in the Catholic Church faithfully. And this is why we also have to believe that it will continue to be so, so, and that is our faith as Catholics. However, this does not mean that the Church cannot deepen the knowledge of those truths and apply them in new ways to the different situations and cultures throughout history. This means that while the deposit of faith that we talked about must remain unchanged in its basic truths, the Church through its magisterium can deepen its knowledge and expand the understanding it has of the revealed truths. So, it can develop the deposit of faith in the same line of truth that Jesus Christ taught, not changing it, but expanding it, understanding it better, if you will. What is most important to understand at this point is that there is only one mediator between God and man, as St. Paul says to Timothy in his first letter, chapter 2, verse 5. And one revealer who taught us all the truths that were necessary and are necessary to this day for us to be saved. And that revealer is Jesus Christ, true God and true man. As the Vatican Council said, the Second Vatican Council, in its constitution, Dei Verbum, number four, the Christian economy, therefore, since it is the new and definitive covenant, will never pass away. And no new public revelation is to be expected before the glorious manifestation of our Lord Jesus Christ. As St. John of the Cross put it in one of his writings, in giving us his Son, his only word, for he possesses no other, he, God, spoke everything to us at once in this sole word. And he has no more to say, because what he spoke before to the prophets in parts, he has now spoken all at once by giving us the all who is his son. Any person asking God or desiring some further vision or further revelation would be guilty not only of foolish behavior, but also of offending him by not fixing his eyes entirely upon Christ and by living with a desire for some other novelty. Now, there are, and you might have heard many times, some revelations that are called private revelations. For example, we have the revelations of Our Lady, the Virgin Mary, in Fatima to Jacinta, Lucia, and Francisco 
1917. When he, she appeared to them, she manifested her love, her concern for all humanity, and encouraged them and others to do penance for sin, to pray the rosary daily, and truly convert their hearts. And she performed the famous miracle of the sun. She also prophesied that if the world did not convert and turn to prayer and to God, there would be a second war, worse than the first, and that was the Second World War. There is another revelation or private revelation of Our Lady to St. Bernadette Subiru in Lourdes that started in February 11th, 1858 and went on until July 16th. She also encouraged her to pray, to do penance, and particularly to build a chapel so that the Virgin Mary could show her love and protection for all humanity through that particular sacred place. There's another apparition of Our Lady, the Virgin Mary, to San Juan Diego, which is now called Our Lady of Guadalupe, on December 1531 on Mount Tepeyac in Mexico. And about, apart from other things that she said to San Juan Diego, Diego, these words stand out for me when she said to him and to all of us through San Juan Diego, Am I not here, I who am your mother? Are you not under my shadow and protection? Am I not the source of your joy? Are you not in the hollow of my mantle, in the crossing of my arms? Do you need anything? Let nothing else worry you or disturb you. She also asked for a church where she could show her protection on the people. There's other revelations and one particular revelation of Jesus Christ, our Lord, to St. Margaret Mary, a religious sister of the Order of the Visitation in 1675. And of all those several revelations, uh, our Lord manifested his great concern for the salvation of souls and asked for uh, reparation, for penance and reparation, and particularly, uh, partic in particular for the uh, communion of reparation for all the uh, offenses done against the heart of Jesus, in particular in the Holy Eucharist. And I remember these words of the Sacred Heart in particular to St. Margaret Mary when he said, Behold the heart which has so loved men that it has spared nothing, even to exhausting and consuming itself, in order to testify its love. So, these are some revelations. There's many other, and there will continue to appear some other private revelations. So, above all, what are these private revelations? They are not part of the public revelation of Jesus Christ, and therefore, we are not obliged to follow them as we are obliged to follow the public revelation of Jesus Christ in order to be saved. However, some of these revelations say things that are already, they always say things that are already in the public, in the public revelation, and they are kind of reminders and particular encourage, encouragement for us to do the things that we already know. We, they are typically encouraging us to learn the uh, faith, to practice it faithfully, to convert, to do penance, to pray, and sometimes to do particular works of charity or buildings or things that will help us 
come closer to God. They will help us experience the love of God in our lives. However, these private revelations can never change the doctrine of the church. If they do, then it is clear they are not authentic revelations. And another thing they can never do is add something that Jesus Christ specifically said he would not tell us. For example, Christ clearly said in the gospel that he would not reveal the day and the hour of the second coming, or the final judgment, if you want, or the end of times. Now, there are some people who claim to have been told when the end of the world would come. And of those people, Jesus Christ clearly said that we should not believe those revelations. That does not mean that some people could, for example, experience or perceive that probably the end of the world is near. Well, that is a completely different thing. Sometimes we have the perception, the situation of the world, the situation of history, we're afraid that the end of the world may come. Well, that, that's a completely, that's a perception, that's an expectation, or that is something that some people experience, but it's not a revelation. A revelation of the date and the, or the year of the end of the world is not going to be given by God to us. So the Catechism of the Catholic Church uh, says something about private revelations, and I would like to share that with you. The Catechism in number 67 says, Throughout the ages, there have been so-called private revelations, some of which have been recognized by the authority of the Church. They do not belong, however, to the deposit of faith. It is not their role to improve or complete Christ's definitive revelation, but to help live more fully by it in a certain period of history. Guided by the magisterium of the Church, the sensus fidelium knows how to listen and welcome in these revelations whatever constitutes an authentic call of Christ or his saints to the Church. Christian faith cannot accept revelations that claim to surpass or correct the revelation of which Christ is the fulfillment, as is the case in a certain non-Christian religions and also in certain recent sects which base themselves on such revelations. So, up to there, the Catechism, and of course it gives, it gives us all great, great clarity and understanding of what is the true revelation, what are the things that we have to hold on to as means of salvation, the revelation of Jesus Christ, the deposit of faith, the teachings of the magisterium, and what are the other things that are uh, accessory things that can help us in a particular time to wake up if you want, to convert, to turn to God, to pray more fervently, to do penance, and to pray in a particular way or in a particular place for graces, for special graces, and the graces of salvation. So, that is all for today. Thank you for staying with me until the end. I wanted to also give you some insight on this podcast that I'm producing. So, first of all, I want you to know that I do all the planning, I do the recording, I do the editing, and also the publishing of this podcast. So, of course, I don't have a whole team of people helping, helping me to do all this, and therefore you might experience that sometimes uh, there are some glitches in the recording or some glitches in the editing. Well, that's because I'm uh, doing it all on my own. That is why I also uh, want you to know that there are show notes to this 
to each episode. Typically, I put a summary of the episode in the show notes. So you can go, uh, whether it's Apple Podcast or Google Podcast or Spotify, they have a place there where you can see some written text. And in that, those show notes, I put a summary of this episode and some sources. Typically, I would give you the sources if I quote, for example, in this case, the document Dominus Jesus, I would tell you where to find it in its entirety and so forth. So if you could please say a Hail Mary for this podcast as a way to support this podcast and all the fruits of the podcast. Thank you for staying with me again to the end. Please make sure that you check out our website, forcollegecatholics.org. And remember to subscribe. Your subscription is important because that indicates that uh, you're willing to continue to receive these episodes from me every time that they come out. And again, if you like this episode and this podcast, make sure you share it with your friends. That is the best thing you can do to support this podcast and to help us fulfill the goal that we had when we started all this project. So thank you so much, and we'll see you next time. May God bless your day.